Hello, Tess. One, two, three, four. Are you out there, Tess? Where the hell are you, Tess? Give us a call. Hello, Tess. Hello, one, two, three, four. Hello, Tess. Hello, Test. One, two, three, four. Hello, Test. Oh, there's a mysterious movement afoot in the world. <laughs> and I'm heading it. Hello, Test. One, two, three, four. Hello, Test. Hello, Test. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, uh, may I, uh, let's have a, let's have a very serious, uh, concerned, uh, revelant night tonight, right? Uh, I, I just have to, uh, by the way, don't write me a note telling me that the word is relevant. See, uh, we all go through our lives developing our own private vocabulary, right? Well, to me, the word is always relevant. Now, I'll tell you why I use this word. It, to me, it, it has more relevance. I mean relevance. And there's a reason for it, because this friend of mine, Bolas, uh, he had a curious way with the, with the words. And we discovered that Bolas, uh, who spoke Polish at home, and he spoke uh, sort of English in high school, uh, to, to, so we didn't offend Bolas. We began to use Bolas's language because, you know, he was pretty tough to begin with. You don't want to offend a guy that, you know, has, you know, 52-inch shoulders. Not when you have 22-inch shoulders especially, see, and Bolas was like that. Oh, yeah, you know, 9-inch waist. He had about a 60-inch chest. Oh, yeah, you know, at the, at, at the age of 10, he could hit a ball 350 feet. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's a natural type that you do not offend. So uh, Bolas, who spoke Polish at home, and I, I picked up a lot of Polish, and I'd go down in the basement there and talk to his mother. And, uh, and uh, we, we used to, you know, go back and forth a lot. Bolas had these great words he would use. Uh, and one of them, uh, for example, I'll just give you an example. One day Bolas uh, walks up uh, to the uh, steps. We're down in the basement. We spent most of our, I spent most of my growing up time in the basement, by the way. I don't know about you, but uh, I spent a hell of a lot of time in the basement. You know, doing all kinds of stuff in the basement. So I'm down in the basement with Bolas and Johnny Anderson and Schwartz and Flick and Broner. When Bolas laid a great word on us, it was a real rotten day out. It was raining, cold, and uh, sleet coming down. And Bolas walks up to the landing and opens the door. And the wind, you know, it comes roaring in. At which point Bolas closes the door, water is pouring off his head, and he says, wow, what a drizzly day. And he hit us, all of us. There were about six of us, me and Schwartz, Flick, Bruner, Stanley Roper, we're all hanging around, you know, in the basement. And he hit us, what a great word, drizzly. That really, see, it, it, it's, well, the word drizzly describes only a drizzly day. But what if it is drizzling, it is sleety, it is dreary, it is, uh, uh, you know, all combination of it, drizzly. You know, he says, what a drizzly day. Well, from that minute on, any time that ever rained, it was always a drizzly day in our cloud. And as far as I know, Bolas is still using that phrase. Because it was such an... And nobody seemed to question it because it's a good phrase. Another... Uh, you want to hear other ones? He, he came up with a great one. One night... We're down in the basement. See, we were all building radios at the time. And uh, we had a big, one of these round old oak tables that was down in Bolas's basement, you know, that finally winds up in the basement with the big with the big legs with the uh, carved claws for feet and all that stuff, see. And uh, so we had, a, we had a barrel of radio parts that we had bought. Something I don't have to tell you about that. That was the, one of the great ecstatic moments of my life when me and 
Schwartz and Bullis and Stanley Roper and all of us radio cuckoos chipped in together. We pooled all our dough, and for $12, we bought an entire barrel. I mean a barrel, a big barrel. I don't, I'm not talking about a keg. I'm talking about a barrel. A barrel is about... Uh, Oh, it's about four feet high, you know. It's about three and a, maybe four feet around. Big barrel, big wooden barrel, full to the top with uh, all types of uh, tiny radio parts. Just fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it must have weighed eight tons. And uh, we, all of us, we, we got the wagons and everything, and we put this barrel on this. We pulled this thing about nine miles. The only way we could figure to take it home, you couldn't take a barrel of radio parts in the back of a car. No way. So uh, we struggled and brought this thing home. I'll tell you about the story one day. But I, I won't bother you with it this time, since you have such important things to do. No, 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 no. This is a, this is a revelant night. And so we, we poured all the parts all over this table. And that was the night that Paulus coined his next great word. We, we were going through these condensers, you know, these little fixed condensers with the two little leads coming out, little uh, tubular condensers. When all of a sudden... Bolas pulls the part out of the big pile, which we were sorting. We were sorting this this collection of junk in the various piles, like condensers, resistors, grommets. And the Bolas says this, the following phrase just popped out of him. He said, hey, you guys. And it's the real sort of voice. Hey, you guys. Look at this. It's an oil impurgated condenser. An oil impurgated condenser. Now, that was such a great word that from that minute on, everything was impurgated. Oil, impurgated condenser. The actual word, of course, was not quite that, but Bolas caught it better. And then, of course, the day when one of the kids showed up and said that his chick was impurgated, and uh, that caused a lot of confusion because <laughs> I don't want to bother you with that, but he'd come up with these great words, so oil, impurgated. And, uh, and one day, we got in a big argument. And the Bolas was the head of our ball team. We had a softball team, a dynamic softball team, the Hessville Eagles. And it was really a dynamic team. We had the completely uniformed, and we were sponsored by Paswinski Shell Station. And we all had these uh, orange, they were orange and maroon, you know, these tight jerseys, orange and maroon knit jerseys. We had orange and maroon pants. We had the orange hats with big maroon uh, <laughs> E on the top, you know, Eagles. And we played it. We played in this nighttime, very fast league, fast pitched league. And we used to have acrimonious meetings. Acrimonious because the guys that were starting didn't see anything wrong with what was going on. The guys that weren't starting were very acrimonious. And so we were sitting there one night having an acrimonious meeting in Bolas's basement when Bob Umbaugh, who probably played a total of two innings in seven seasons. Umbaugh was only on that ball club because his uncle was Paswinski. And we had convinced Paswinski to sponsor our ball team. He bought the suits, see? So that's why Umbaugh was on the team. So Umbaugh is getting a little out of hand, and he's hollering about something. How come you don't? He says, look, there's a place in the lineup once in a while. What you ought to do in the lineup? You ought to put a real light hitter in there to confuse him. <laughs> Which is, you know, kind of reasoning that light hitters often come up with. And uh, he says, and if I played more, I could I could really start hitting, you know. He'd gotten two hits in about 12 years, and the one he did get was when he was ducking out of the way of a fastball, and he hit the bat, you know. <laughs> Just dropped over third base for a single, which he barely made. So he was always talking about that hit he got that time. And so with that, Bolas finally got mad. He says, all right, you guys, I don't want to hear no more arguments. Shut up. Well, of course, with those 72-inch shoulders, 
There was only one thing to do. And so we did. He said, now shut up. I want to hear nothing but relevant arguments here. I'm going to have to, we're going to stay to the point. I want to, if you've got, you got something to say about the, the, the game we're playing against Indiana Harbor, I want to hear it. But I want it to be relevant. Well, my first instinct, which I have often bad instincts, I might say, was to raise my hand and say, uh, Bolus, the word is relevant. Relevant. Well, <laughs> Bolus's face was red. He was really bugged that night. Incidentally, we had lost four straight games, so you can see why his face was red, among other things. And so I was not about to change the word relevant into relevant. But then upon thinking later, I'm standing out in, in center field later in the game that day. I'm walking around out in center field and, uh, you know, chewing grass, waiting for somebody to belt one out in my direction, when the word relevant came to mind. And I, I rolled it over my tongue. Revelant. Revelant. This is a revelant ball game. Bolus's arguments are revelant. Yes, Bolus is always revelant. I am revelant to this game. Revelant. And somehow, now, it, it, it changed my head. I have never been able to say the word relevant without having to think about it. Because if, you know, if... if Pinched quickly, I'll say yes. Uh, uh, that is, uh, uh, we've got to stay with the with the relevance of, of the argument. I have to think. Do you ever have trouble once in a while remembering a very simple word like bread? Uh, pass the uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, pass that stuff over there. Uh, pass the plate. <laughs> you ever have that problem, Jerry? No, I don't think you do, Jerry. I, I don't think you've got this very well ordered mind. And uh, no, everything is relevant to you, and and the uh, people buy oil impregnated condensers. <laughs> no, you'd have to come from a special place to know about oil impregnated. It's oil impregnated condensers to the proper people. Or didn't you know about that? All right, uh, enough for uh, uh, chitter chatter, please. It's time to hit the money button. The money button. Is the Red Baron of Lufthansa German Airlines around? Take off your skis and make yourself comfortable. He's out checking ski containers in the planes we fly to the Lufthansa Alps. I wanted to see the Baron because Mom will let me ski at Ebenezer's Mountain. The Red Baron doesn't want you to ski at Ebenezer's Mountain either. He wants you to ski in the Lufthansa Alps. You mean the Alps Europe? Well, I can't afford the Alps Europe. Well, for only $311, the Red Baron will fly you round-trip New York to Munich. Put you aboard a ski bus special, ride to Innsbruck, Kitzbühel, or the Alberg region. Give you a nice room every night, and you can ski yourself silly for a whole week. You could even have a car to drive instead. Same price, $311. Wonderful. For that money, Mom can go, too. Ooh, kiss the Red Baron for me. What makes you think I haven't already? Available December 1 to 14 and January 5 to March 31, 1973. Rates per person, seven, eight-day economy fare, group of ten flying together. Land arrangements are for two people traveling together and sharing the same room with the highest price, $557 for her to destinations and hotels. <laughs> what is this signed up? Red Baron Elpen. Uh, this is on Von Richthofen. Yeah, this is on Richthofen. Richthofen, Richthofen. Yeah, this is on Richthofen. Yeah, this is Manfred. Manfred is Richthofen, uh, Red Baron. No, I actually, uh, you know, he, he was never called the Red Baron during his lifetime. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> great, great, uh, great uh, 
great performer. Strange character. All right, though, enough of this. Uh, now let's see that catching. Yadisus von Richthofen, Richthofen, Richthofen. Yadisus von Manfred, Richthofen, Red Baron. Yadisus, oh, that's silly. Hey, uh, friends, uh, one more little thing, Don, I'm going to lay on you here. You know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, I, I, I find it very hard to believe. Sometimes I sit in my office and I just think how hard it is to believe I sit in the studio here. It's hard to believe that a food like kasha can be hundreds of years old, is it, you know? Isn't that hard to believe? certainly is. You'd swear it wasn't a day over 30. Well, kasha is alive and it's still going. You know, it's been going for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's still alive and well and living in your neighborhood supermarket. Wolf's kasha, hundreds of years old. Way, way back. Was you, uh, the original Wolf's Kasha was produced by an actual Siberian wolf. Wolf's Kasha, with two Fs. Wolf's Kasha. Nutty-flavored little grain golden kernels of roasted buckwheat grain. Uh-huh. So uh, why don't you try Wolf's Kasha? You can do anything you want. Brush your teeth with it. It's great. Mix it with bourbon. It's wonderful. Uh, there are more ways to, to prepare Wolf's Kasha than you can count the grains in the package. It is a health food. You do not have to be a health nut to enjoy it. Wolf's. Get a great recipe. They give you the one about the bourbon in there. Wolf's. In care of me. M-E. W-O-R. New York. 10018. And they'll send you the Kasha cookbook. You'll find it in the in the supermarket. Anyway, you just ask for the Wolf's Kasha. You have to get a little kind of a... You know, you got to do that with style. Wolf's Kasha. You holler at the guy. Kasha, please. Kasha. And he'll immediately know that you're a direct descendant of Attila the Hun. This is W.O.R. Speaking of the barbarians, this is W.O.R. in New York. New York. What else? I mean, is there an old one? But here we are. Hi, this is Tex Ritter for the New York, New Jersey American Motors dealers. And they're coming on strong. Coming on strong, coming on strong. Cause we've got the quality in the cars you want to buy. The protection of AMC at a price you're glad to pay. Drive the number one value in a carefree way. What America wants, America gets from American Motors. Finer cars and the best fire protection plan goes. See the cars that are headed for a second straight record-breaking year. See your New York, New Jersey, American motor dealers soon. And tell them Tech sent you. What is the matter with the bad stuff tonight? My head is working bad. You know, uh, speaking of uh, heads here, I uh, how's yours, by the way, tonight? Okay. Still getting them clouds through there? <laughs> Fog is moving across the vast panoramic window of thy mind. Uh, do you have anything on the turntable there? Nothing? No, I, I, I thought I gave you something. That's all right. I'll tell you what uh, What uh, I would like you to give me. Do you have... Uh, would you please hold those up in there, Gerald, please? If you will. The eyes in the world are on you. What's that? Oh, no, we can't play that obscene record on, on the radio. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. Ein Man Bandish? No, no. No, 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 no. 
No, no, no. The Medicare themes? No, we don't want that. How about the one that says Gassers? There you go. That's what I want. It's a romantic night here tonight. <laughs> How about picking the title to them? I'm going I'm to lay something very romantic on you, and I want you to listen. How about the theme from Elvira Madigan? Okay? That's the theme. All right, now hold it in there. You, you, you prepare it in there for me. Okay, Bob? You get it set, and let me know what... All set? All set. All right, not yet. He's got the little flag up. The flag is up. The flag is waving. Load ball ammunition. Load and lock. Ready on the right. Ready on the left. Ready on the firing line. Fire when ready. Listen, there's nothing like romantic music with the sound of a heavy, heavy record scratch accompanying it. It gives you a little touch of reality. This is the love song to Eric Siegel. Oh, how we love you, Eric Siegel. Thou art so cute and cuddly. True, you can't run very good, but you make a lot of noise about it. That's enough. And you can't write very good, but that doesn't matter. We love thy thy efforts, whatever they might be, Eric Siegel. Hold it, gang. There, just gently behind me. I want to give you a romantic, romantic fact of the city that you live in. And it is a true fact. In fact, I have here the documentation to prove this romantic fact. A jug of wine. A loaf of wolf's kasha and I. Thou beside me in the wilderness singing me now. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Let me sing sweet nothings into thy shell pink ear. Oh, I can hardly stand myself, Elvira. I think it's your knees that get me. So dimpled, so round, so rich and ripe and full of promise. Not every man will appreciate your knees. Anybody with a name like Elvira Madison, Ma- Madigan, is that it, baby? Yes, Madigan. We've got to have a hell of a lot more going than knees. Here's tonight's romantic fact. A new feature on this program, the romantic fact of the week for New Yorkers everywhere. Courtesy of the School of Civil Engineering, Purdue University, Lafayette, Indiana. Sidewalk messes made by pets in New York City are estimated at over 400 
thousand pounds per day. For copies of this stirring, the stirring feature, send your name and address to Splat, S-P-L-A-T, in care of this station. And copies will be sent to you suitable for framing. Thank you. That's kind of nice. So, do you want to hear some more? Oh, I, I, reset that there. You want to hear some more romantic facts of our day? Now, uh, this is a, a fascinating little, uh, uh, fascinating little newspaper. Now, most of you get, you know, ordinary papers. I mean, you know, there are actually guys who read the Inquirer, for example. You know, I cut up seven people, made soap out of them. True story inside with pictures. You know, a recipe on how to make soap. So, uh, <laughs> what's the matter with my head tonight? But uh, I uh, would like to read other wonderful little facts, uh, romantic facts of our time. And by the way, that is a, that's an actual fact. Sidewalk messes made by pets in New York City are estimated at over 400,000 pounds per day. By George, that's a lot of fact. It certainly is. And uh, <laughs> 400,000 pounds a that's a half a million pounds. Yes, indeed. And now, if we can only harness that, somehow, you know, if, if somebody could figure out some great use for it, just think, New York City would have a, an entirely new industry. And, uh, you know, guys could have whole kennels of dogs turning this stuff out as fast as they could, which is what they do anyway, all over your foot half the time. And... Uh, you know, if they can harness that and run cars or something. You know, there's this guy in in, in England. You heard about him, didn't you? Yeah, he, he, he runs his car on, uh, well, let's put it this way, chicken dung. I mean, to put it politely. Yeah, he does. And and he's been running his car now for over two years on it. And he says it's great, you know. it's uh, First of all, it's cheap. And, uh, yeah, you don't have to go down to the, you know, you don't need a credit card to get it. You don't have to go down there. And, of course, if it gets popular, you will, I'm sure. You know, don't, you don't think that the... <laughs> imagine going down to the Shell Station for four pounds of chicken dung, and you dump it at the back of your Excalibur. <laughs> How would you say that? To, you know, you're out with this elegant girl, and you no longer could say, hey, i got to stop for gas. you say, hey, i got to stop for... Well, you have to fill in the blank. <laughs> sure, have you noticed how, what bad taste this is in tonight? Well, that's the way life is. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, if New York could, could come up with a use for 400,000 pounds a day, now that's a day. Anybody out there got a slide rule? That means in 10 days, well, 10 times 400,000 is exactly 4 million. 4 million pounds. That's only in 10 days. Hey, Jerry Kretschmer, are you listening? 10 days, 4 million pounds. All right, now, that's only 10 days. Figure it out for 365 days. Anybody out there got a slide rule? Oh, 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 wow. We could build our own Alps. Just think, uh, we could we could make a tourist attraction. You know, well, you know what Munich did, don't you? You know the city of Munich? Well, Munich, uh, outside of the city, in fact, right there by the, uh, what you probably saw on television, the Olympic, uh, the Olympic Stadium, well, right next to the grounds where the Olympic Stadium was built, 
they have this gigantic hill, and it's covered with grass and all that stuff. And it's the hill they made out of the rubble of World War II. You see, instead of just throwing it away and, you know, sweep it in the woods and stuff like that, they, they made a great big hill, and it's beautiful. People all come and look at it, and they got a plaque on it. Well, just think what we could do with all those sidewalk messes. Well, do you realize in one year we could have enough to build the Appalachian Mountains? <laughs> I mean, uh, think of it. Four million pounds. I don't know what the cubic centimeters or cubic feet that would be, but four million pounds, that's a lot of doggies. A lot of doggy doo-doo. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, you just take that and think what we could do with it. If, if Say, for example, we... we uh, Let's say New York decided really going to tourist business big. You know that New York is the number one tourist attraction in the country. That's hard to believe, but it is. God help tourists. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, you know, there's an old slogan that says, God helps drunks and tourists. And uh, that's a fact. I mean, uh, not always, not always, but, uh, you know, given enough argument, uh, he will. But uh, the fact, it's a sobering thought that New York is the number one tourist attraction. In the country. And what do we got? You know, we got a lot of pointy shops. What do they come for? You know, they got a lot of buildings. They stand in line at Radio City. And uh, after that, there's not much to do. You know, you walk around. And uh, a lot of guys go back to places like Pocatello, Idaho, and, uh, you know, Rushville, Indiana, and are very disappointed because here they've come to New York for two solid weeks and they haven't been mugged. I mean, after all, that's one of the big uh, actions in New York, you know, getting mugged. Everywhere you go out of, out of New York, you know, they always talk about getting mugged. Well, can you imagine some poor guy, all his life he saved to come to New York, and he comes to New York for two weeks, and nothing happens. He does not get mugged. Well, what we ought to do is have flying squads of tourist muggers, uh, you know, that work for the city, uniformed licensed muggers. You know, so there's no hanky-panky. So, uh, and, and a guy can have his picture taken while he's being mugged so he can show it to his friends. <laughs> That's kind of a nice idea, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. And you could make an appointment to get mugged. You know, you, you, uh, when you come in, you come into the Greyhound station or wherever it is you come in, you know. And, and uh, you know how when they have, uh, when you, have you been to you know, airports? They have all these phones to call up for reservations and stuff. And it says uh, mugging, another action. And uh, you call up in the phone, the red phone. You say, yeah, well, I'll be in town till Friday. Uh, well, how about the Tuesday afternoon late? Yeah. Well, you say you've got three very uh, three varieties of muggings, uh, the Central Park freeform mugging, and the, what was the other one there? A Times Square sack mug. What's that? Oh, oh I see. Oh, well, no, no, I'm not one of them. No, 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 I'm straight. No, no. Uh, what you say the other one was? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, Emily wouldn't like that. Okay, well, let, look, uh, Tuesday afternoon, let's make it the uh, Times Square, okay? No, no, I think no, no, I think we'll make it uh, uh, Central Park. She likes, you know, bushes and stuff. Why, why don't we... Uh, how much do you say the pictures are? Three for how much? Twelve dollars. You mean four dollars a piece for getting a picture where you mug? Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, I see. Fine. Okay, yeah, well, fine. All right, put me down. Yeah, the name is uh, Charlie Butterworth. Yeah, I'll be down there. Yeah, I'll bring an Emily. Yeah. Well, I got to pay extra for her. What do you mean? Oh, well, okay, okay. Well, what the hell? It's only once. Yeah, all right. You can't take it with you. All right, I'll see you down there. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Now, don't put it down. This is exciting. Seriously, it is an exciting thing. If a guy, everybody I greet outside of New York, has horror tales of New York. 
And they're all by hearsay. But you can imagine just how big a guy would be in Indianapolis. He comes home, you know, the shirt's been ripped off his back, and uh, they stole the hubcaps right off of his bicycle, the whole thing. So he comes home there, you know, they took his spats right off, and he says, I was mugged right there in Times Square. Uh, he'd be giving speeches at the PTA and with slides. But uh, after all, New York does not take advantage of many of its great, uh, I think many of its really great products. We always talk about, uh, you know, the Broadway theater. Why, hell, you know, what is the Broadway? A bunch of, you know, chicks jumping around and singing. Uh, whereas actually, we have a unique product, 400,000 pounds a day. Now, other cities have it, sure, I agree. But not 400,000 pounds a day. <laughs> That's why Purdue University turned out a special bulletin on it. <laughs> 400,000 pounds. Well, now, if we could, that's only one day. Now, if we could collect this for one year and, and you know, get Lindsay behind it and Jerry Kretschmer and the whole crowd, get a big movement. In other words, Operation Turisto. If we could get behind this thing and somehow convince the city of New York that if it saved up its money, it could buy New Jersey. And we can do almost anything if we try, you know, New York. You just ask Lindsay. And uh, we can do it. And we'll buy Jersey. After all, what's Jersey doing anyway? Just sitting over there, you know, it's dirty and smelly, and people are mad all the time, and, and you know, yelling and hollering. We could turn that into a number one, a number one tourist, really a great tourist attraction. Buy Jersey and take all of the, of the dog messes that have been collected for one solid year and build a series of beautiful scenic mountains right over there in Jersey. And I understand this stuff it grows things very well. We could plant moss and geraniums and have hiking trails. And, uh, you know, see <laughs> see the uh, the unique New York doggy doo-doo mountains. Uh, the, why, people would beat a trail to New York. We could charge admission. <laughs> I think the streets would be clean again. Give me a little of that romantic music, please. Can't you just see the, the, the a, a Boy Scout troop hiking through the scenic Doggy Doodle Mountains with the sun rising high in what is now the clean Jersey air since we've cleaned up Jersey completely. Kicked them all out and sent them to Rhode Island. You know? I just want you to picture the scene in your own mind. Go ahead. And of course, then you could tell... Souvenir uh, paperweights done in bronze. An actual portion of the scenic New York Doggy Doodle Mountain. You can buy it in various sizes, you know, Pekingese, German Shepherd, depending on how much you want to spend. It's in bad taste, isn't it? <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> you want to hear some more? They're great. Now, wait a minute. I'm quoting tonight. I'm not kidding. This is an actual... I'm not making any of this up. I'm quoting from one of the most fascinating little uh, one-page newspapers I've ever read. It is the Environmental Engineering News. In other words, it's a news bulletin for environmental engineers. Very official. Issued by, and I quote, the School of Civil Engineering, Purdue University... Lafayette, Indiana. I don't know how they send this out. I just got it in the mail. It's great. Why don't all of you send for a copy? <laughs> get this. Get on the mailing list. You know, <laughs> edited by John M. Bell. And I'm reading uh, one of the most recent issues. 
Here, for example, here's a fascinating little news note. Uh, taking advantage of the lowest water level in the Rhine River since 1947, and that must have been a very low level in the Rhine River. There was a lot of action in the year before around the Rhine. <laughs> taking advantage of the lowest water level in the Rhine River since 1947, a cleanup of the riverbank was made. All types of waste were found, including bicycles, old shoes, baby carriages, and rusted 88-millimeter anti-aircraft guns. So, uh... That's, uh, you know, kind of nice. Listen to this one. Oil prospectors in the North Slope region of Alaska find they are striking oil and ecologists in equal concentrations. The little funnies there they throw in on you. Cheese whey containing 35,000 milligrams out of one BOD, whatever that means, is the most concentrated liquid waste that can be found in large quantities. So, you know, don't... Don't laugh at cheese way. That even outdoes uh, the way they put it, sidewalk messes. I don't know many sidewalks that make messes, but that's the euphemism. Uh, here's another little note from this paper. Electric power plants along the California sea coast suck in millions of gallons of seawater a minute to cool their condensers. Along with the water comes plankton, fish, and even mammals, including an occasional shark or whale. Very few organisms return to the sea alive. At most plants, they are put in powerful garbage grinders and discharged through an outfall. <laughs> I just thought you ought to know all this stuff, really. Over 22 million tons of fly ash were produced in the United States in 1969. Estimates for 1980 are 36 million tons. I didn't know they burnt that many flies in this country. Well, you know, you just pick up this stuff. I mean, it's amazing what you what you learn just by... Listen to this one. 92% of the governing authorities in Pennsylvania permit open burning of residential refuse. Oh, Pennsylvania, what's happening to you? Economic factors, not a lack of technical know-how, are principal deterrents in cleaning up pollution. Tell me another. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> oh, surprise. Oh, hey, listen. An estimated 90% of rat bites occur within the city limit. Well, you know, I, I haven't been bitten very often, you know, by a rat, but the, what few rats have bitten me? Yeah, well, you know, I have to concede I've been bitten. By the way, 80% occur after midnight. Rats don't really get going good until it's, you know. This is a... I, I imagine they did some research on that. Uh, I wonder what Ben... You know, Ben won a... You, you saw Ben. He won the... I told you he'd win an Oscar. You know who Ben is, don't you? Your friendly, you know, the rat... It's only, it's a comment on our times. They're like, you know, our time, only our time. It shows shows what a decadent, uh, negativistic, naysaying time we live in. It's a long way, friends, from giving Lassie, you know, that friendly Bobsy twin collie. Uh, they used to give Lassie uh, uh, Oscars, and now we're all the way down to rats. Next thing you know, the ringworm is going to get one. Yeah, you know, the man. here, listen, listen, water turbulence in the ocean caused by wind may drive surface pollution as deep as 900 feet. Whew. Wow. Holy smokes. Do uh, you want to hear more of this? Mm. Israeli authorities anxious over the rising noise level in Tel Aviv have reactivated a rarely enforced law banning piano playing with open windows during siesta time. <laughs> I kind of like that, that. Imagine a guy sitting in there and he's quietly playing a Chopin serenade, 
five cops come in, bust down the door. All right, you're busted. We caught you red-handed. He's sitting there, you know, wearing his elegant suit. La da dee Twelve brands of Canadian beer, wine, sherry, and port. Six of American beer. Six of European wine. Vermouth and sherry, and two of South African sherry were examined and found to contain asbestos fibers. Asbestos fibers. Uh, tap water from uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Toronto, and Montreal had uh, asbestos fibers in it. Hmm. Although they don't know whether it's dangerous or not, they just thought you ought to know. Says if you breathe asbestos, that's one thing, but if you drink it, you know, mix it with a little vermouth, it may give you a head the next day, but it may not hurt you, ultimately. That's it. Bring that on. That's nice. Hey, listen, this is enough. If you, if you haven't got enough to worry about already, depletion of the world's known supply of phosphorus could occur by the end of the next century. Oh, my God. On top of everything else. I couldn't go to bed without a little phosphorus. You know, I like it with raisins. Hey, I would like to have been along on that on that on that party with the went out and uh, cleaned up the Rhine River bank. I bet they found some fantastic stuff. Oh yeah, this is I know. Oh yes, this is I the Bren. I think it's a Bren gun. <laughs> Thank you, Red Baron. Bring it up big. Why do I think this thing is so incredibly sappy? Hey, speaking of romantic messages, did you keep that lovely romantic music behind us there? have a little poetry we'd like to read to you tonight. Do you need tires? See the Tire Pro at your local General Tire headquarters for all of your tire needs. From sports sedans to sports cars, compacts to king-size cars, General Tire makes the tires you need. And at prices that are easy easy to afford. Choose from rayon cord tires, nylon cord tires, puncture sealing tires, steel belted radial tires, more, much, 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 much more. And you get your choice. In Brooklyn, oh, beautiful Brooklyn, only the dead know Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn nestled like a jewel in the shadow of the vast, hulking bulk of New York City. In Brooklyn, see Steve at Gannon Tire Company, 6502 Bay Parkway. The preceding reading was from an ode on a Pepsi-Cola bottle by John Beats, Poet Laureate of Lower Slobobia. Thank you, thank you. We will not send copies of it to you. 
in your hat. Tonight's salute to Eric Siegel was orchestrated by Lawrence Welk and featured Evelyn and her singing violin in the featured role. Lyrics were by Rona Jaffe. The translation was by Gore Vidal. It was produced by our sports department under the heading of Goon Arledge. Yes, tonight we saluted a great American, Eric Siegel. Tune in again tomorrow night at the same time when the British Broadcasting Corporation presents another salute to a great person of our times, the 20th century, if you will. Please. <laughs> Mr. Shepard, you're jealous of that wonderful writer. Eric Siegel, he writes so beautifully, especially when he has a wonderful boy in the book saying, Gee, you're swell. Gee, you're swell. You couldn't write like that, Mr. Shepard. I'll be loving you always. You like my suggestion for a new tourist attraction in New York? I think it has merit, if not quality. Uh, bring it up a little louder there, please. Oh, uh, before we squish on out, after all, it's 400,000 pounds a day. And that does not exclude the studios here. Before we squish on out, I'd like to remind you, don't forget, Carnegie Hall, the 17th. The Viper Strikes Again. Carnegie Hall, the Silver-Tongued Devil, the 17th. Remember? I don't know what was the matter with my mind tonight. It was just really bad. Did you notice that? Embarrassed a lot of people. I was, listen, if you think you were embarrassed, think how embarrassed I was. I was saying it. It makes me even, you know, I don't know. I guess it's the wind velocity, parametric pressure, the high moving in from Kansas, all that stuff. This is to notify all persons and business establishments that I will not be responsible. Oh, no, that's no. This is uh, <laughs> WOR New York, of course. Where else? Lester Smith comes next with the news. News in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. A big disturbance in the South Bronx tonight. About 500 persons participating, most of them teenagers. They hurled bottles at police, set fire to two medallion cabs, and looted at least one store. Earlier, there'd been a demonstration by gypsy cab drivers, but the leaders of that group deny a police statement that what happened in the South Bronx tonight was, and we quote, a spin-off of the earlier disruption. Mrs. Priscilla Ryan still is in the race to succeed her late husband as a United States representative from New York's 20th district. The executive committee of the Liberal Party of New York tonight endorsed her by a vote of 35 to 3 over Congresswoman Bella Abzug, who is the Democratic Party's choice, 
They will both be on the ballot opposing the Republican and conservative candidate in November. New York City's deputy mayor, Edward Morrison, the county chairman of the Liberal Party, explained. The state executive committee just met and decided to nominate and authorize uh, Priscilla Ryan. Uh, upon the recommendation that was uh, made this evening by the executive committees of both the Bronx and the uh, New York County Executive Committee. Was it you feel in any way that this is going to make the, the race on the west side uh, pro-Republican, splitting the Democrats among two candidates? No, on the contrary. I think the feeling of the committee was that it will bring out more people to vote for McGovern. I think the question will be whether to vote for McGovern on the Democratic ticket uh, with, uh, with uh, Bella Abzug or to vote on the liberal line with the uh, former McGovern uh, with Priscilla Ryan. Why, why was Mrs. Abzug rejected? I, don't, I think it was more a question that our party wanted to go on record for Priscilla Ryan rather than rejecting uh, Bella Abzug. Although there was a good deal of sentiment in the sense of being negative, overall, overwhelmingly, the sentiment was that the people of the west side of Manhattan, people of the Bronx, should have an opportunity to be heard, and the only way you could do that would be on election day. Unlike its Scandinavian neighbor Norway, Denmark today voted to enter the European common market. The people voted two to one in favor. That vote is binding on...